So this final session of living without anxiousness in our life, or living free of anxiousness, is, uh, will be about Psalm 23. Uh, we're often familiar with Psalm 23 as a psalm uh, that is oftentimes sung at funerals to comfort the grieving, and it is a beautiful psalm for that. It's used to comfort the dying. Again, a psalm that uh, truly does that as well. Uh, but uh, it's also a psalm for the living. It's a psalm that speaks of the nature, the character, the heart of uh, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and how we as his disciples uh, can be encouraged and strengthened through that. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer. So Lord, we turn to you this day in prayer. Uh, you, we declare you as our shepherd, our Good Shepherd, who will not lead us astray, who will walk with us through the trials and afflictions of life, and who will make provision for every need. Open our hearts and minds to the Word of God found in Psalm 23. Encourage our hearts with this, Lord. Build up our faith and release our faith as we study your word today. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So Psalm 23. I'm just going to read it first um, before we actually go in to talk about it. So uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, so let's just go through each verse here and glean from it the meanings of it for our own uh, life today. So, Psalm 23, begin with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So the Lord is my shepherd. One of the early church fathers said this psalm is a psalm about thanksgiving for the Lord's kindness to us. He speaks of the faithful Christian who is reborn in water and by the power of the Spirit, and at the old age of the first Man, In other words, his former way of life, her former way of life was set aside. And now this person gives thanks that the Lord has brought them through the dryness of sin to a place of pasture and resting in the Lord's generosity. And the kindness of the Lord is found is what the one early church father said, the Ten Commandments or the Ten Kindnesses of the Lord. I mean, they brought them from darkness into light, from death into new life. Uh, Ambrose, one of the early church fathers, said that the heavenly sacraments of baptism and confirmation, and as well as the Eucharist, are revealed in this psalm. Uh, so the Lord is a shepherd who feeds his flock. He, he, um, he, he embraces his flock. And uh, Christians have always seen in Psalm 23 that Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Um, Jesus even says of himself in John chapter 10, uh, verse 11, he speaks about himself in, in that role and, and the power and the beauty of being the shepherd of his people. I think it's important to see that uh, for us as Christians, and this, this shepherd is really referring to and speaking to Jesus, who fulfills everything that David understood about being a shepherd. David is oftentimes a credit for this psalm. Jesus says in John chapter 10, uh, verse 11, he says that I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Of course, that laying down his life for the sheep is, is found in the cross uh, uh, where Jesus is lifted up for his sheep. 
David is credited for writing this psalm when he, was a, when he was young as a shepherd boy. He served his father Jesse as a shepherd boy watching over the sheep near Bethlehem. Psalm 23 is a psalm that cultivates uh, in the heart of David the heart of a giant killer. It was out of this psalm and the revelation of God through the psalm that David was able to go forth and defeat Goliath. So I would say that for the same thing for us and the giants that we face in our life, giants perhaps of fear or illness or uh, conflict or hurts from the past, those giants or giants of uncertainty about the future, those kinds of giants can, are defeated with the heart of, of David uh, as reflected in Psalm 23. And David caught a revelation of the very heart of God himself in this, and that's what empowered him and uh, enabled him to be able to defeat Goliath. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Green pastures here, um, Augustine saw green pastures as the word of God in sacred scripture, the commandments of the Lord. Quoting Psalm 119, verse 103, Augustine uh, quotes the scripture, says, how sweet are your words to my palate, more so th uh, than hun honeycomb, rather, in my mouth. So the, be the beauty of God's word is that it's sweeter than honeycomb in my mouth, says, says the psalmist. And Augustine really uh, understands that word uh, the word of God to be sweet to our honey, to our mouth, like honey is. Um, and that God's words are powerful with an anointing to refresh our hearts, to drive out fear, to build up faith and hope in our life, to uh, kill hatred so we can grow in charity. Uh, God's words are like honeycomb in our mouth. In fact, he says they're even sweeter than that. Uh, the psalmist here speaks also, David speaks as he says, he leads me beside still waters. Uh, this is the early church fathers saw in that the waters of rebirth, the re waters of refreshment found in the waters of baptism. We may have been baptized as an infant um, many, many years ago, but being baptized as an infant uh, doesn't take away the power of the waters of baptism. Baptism itself and it's, it's grace to sanctify us and to make us adopted to God's family flows from the power of the cross. And so the word of God spoken over baptism. Remember a deacon or a priest needs to consecrate the water and bless it, and he does. He speaks God's word over it, and that blesses and consecrates the water for the purpose of, <clears throat> of bringing someone from darkness into light, from death into new life. And so... Oftentimes, we can recall our baptism through the baptismal vows. We can bless ourselves with holy water. The point being that we are reborn into God's kingdom, a grace given to us that we did not merit it, that we did not earn or generate. So uh, the, the psalmist goes on to speak about how the Lord, uh, in verse, uh, verse 3, restores my soul. Uh, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, Augustine pointed, St. Augustine pointed out that it's not by our merit, but it's by the Lord's graciousness, the Lord's righteousness that he leads us, guides us. And we could say, of course, that by the Lord's graciousness and by his merit at the cross, he laid down his life for us. Uh, we see um, where righteousness here, the, the shepherd would oftentimes lead the sheep uh, and uh, they would circle their way up to hills. And as they circled, they would go higher and higher and higher 
eventually they would form a path that leads them to higher and ground, and the, the higher ground was safer ground. And this was called the circular paths of righteousness. And that's what the Lord does. Uh, is the Lord's righteousness that we are clothed with. I often think of in baptism, uh, whether it be with an adult or an infant, after they're baptized, we clothe them with a robe of righteousness. Uh, for a baby, it's like a um, kind of like a bib that's placed over them. Actually, it's a, it's a symbol of a robe of righteousness. For an adult, they're actually clothed with, um, with an album, like, uh, again, a robe of righteousness and a stole is placed over them. So all that indicates that the Lord clothes us in his righteousness. Uh, so whenever we sin, we can run to the Lord um, and we run to have his blood, the blood of Christ, cleanse us and forgive us and refresh us and once again restore to us that robe of righteousness that is his gift to us. So just as the shepherd would lead the sheep up higher and higher and higher, so the Lord uh, cleanses us by, of unrighteousness through his blood poured out for us. In verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for, thy rides, uh, that, uh, for thou art with me. Thy ride and thy staff, they comfort me. Guidance and comfort uh, is the light of Christ shining in our hearts. Uh, it, uh, origin, one of the early church fathers said um, that in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, we don't sit in the valley, we keep walking through the valley, which, and he says, we don't walk alone. Notice that thou, thou art with me, the Lord is with us. And, uh, um, and the beauty of that is that he promises never to abandon us. And the Lord's provision for us is plentiful, is abundant for us. And uh, in the Old Testament, the Lord said to Joshua, as he's about to take the Israelites into the promised land, where while the land was filled with uh, a richness for the people, it was also filled with great giants and huge giants. And uh, the Lord promised Joshua that he would make provision for him. He said, meditate upon the, law, the words of this book, meaning the Torah, and day and night, don't let it go outside of your eyes and your mouth, he says. And never speak of the words and reflect on the words and meditate on the words. And he said, you'll prosper in the steps you're going in. And prosperity in the Old Testament meant you achieve your end for which you set out. And uh, they, of course, Joshua's end was to go into the promised land and to capture the land and defeat the enemies on that land. Again, here we see um, the beauty of that is that uh, David is aware of the Lord with him. He's aware of the Lord's promises to him. So can we, in the midst of this coronavirus outbreak, amidst of so much uncertainty and even at times confusion, even at the various highest levels of government, not only ours, but throughout the entire world, the uncertainty of health experts, uh, we know the Lord is with us. The Lord will make provision. There's nothing that we shall want, right? And uh, this is a promise to us of the Lord's support and guidance. Uh, the rod and staff, what does that mean? Uh, it's one who supports us in time of weakness. It's uh, pointing to the saving power of the cross, uh, where the cross is a seal and remembrance. Again, in our baptism, we make the sign of the cross over the forehead of a baby or an adult before they're baptized. Uh, um, it's also a sign of consolation, rod and staff. Look to the mercy of God. Uh, one of the early church fathers said, even when we sin, we may think the Lord is, we may feel the rod coming down upon us, but uh, the, that early church father said, looked quickly to see the mercy of God coming to you. 
um, staff and support. So the Lord is not angry with us. He, went in, he wants to correct us when we're in error, but it's always done out of mercy for us. And verse five, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Uh, the table is the Lord's table. It's, in one sense, this refers to uh, the ancient sacrifice of animals and uh, being brought to, the, to a, a table that would be like an altar and then sacrifice to atone for the sins. Of course, the Lord's table is the table of the Eucharist. It's the table of his body broken for us, his blood poured out for us on Calvary that washes us clean of our sins and makes us sons and daughters of God. Origen thought that the table also referred to the true food, which is the bread of the Lord's word to us in sacred scripture that feeds our souls and the word that is also the bread from heaven, that is the bread that nourishes us and sanctifies us and heals us of our sins. Of course, the drink or the cup is the cup of his blood poured out for us on Calvary. So both the bread and the cup then are the feast the Lord sets before us. Ambrose said that the living bread is the word of God of sacred scripture. So uh, in any case, the indication is that the Lord in the midst of our troubles, afflictions, uh, fears, uncertainties, he sets a table before us, a table of his provision for us. And then we come to the oil, the, uh, the anointing. Uh, again, the anointing here, uh, typically a shepherd would take uh, sheep at the end of the day as they pass through the sheep fold. As they uh, came into the pen, the shepherd would examine each of the sheep. He looked for the wounds of the sheep, and then he would pour oil wherever there were wounds to bring healing. Here we see oil, uh, precious oil of baptism, oil of confirmation, which we were anointed to be sons and daughters of God, anointed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Spirit. It's this oil, the oil reflecting, symbolizing the Holy Spirit that perfects us in charity and drives out fear in our hearts. Uh, Christ is the one who anoints our heads with oil. He's the one that fills us with the Holy Spirit. So much we talk about the Holy Spirit uh, and as a gift given to us in baptism and confirmation, the Holy Spirit brings an anointing, a presence of the Lord that drives fear out of our hearts and perfects us in charity. So in this time, particularly with the coronavirus outbreak, when there's so much fear and uncertainty, how much more we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to have his charisms, his gifts at work in us and through us because they bring us into the encounter with the Lord and bring us an encounter with his presence. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit who drives out fear and helps us to grow in charity. And lastly, the goodness and mercy of the Lord shall follow uh, me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. Here the psalmist David speaks about the Lord's covenant with us. His goodness is towards us. His mercy is towards us. That he anticipates our needs, and his mercy is our protection. And that the house he speaks of here is the house when we gather as the Lord's people, but also it points to our heavenly home, where we can walk with assurance of our salvation, meaning that the Lord's goodness and his mercy are turned towards us always. We just simply need to return and receive that which he gives as a gift to us. So you can see Psalm 23 is a beautiful psalm, a psalm that speaks of uh, the Lord as our shepherd, the Lord who makes provision for us, the Lord who... who uh, in the midst of trouble and conflict, in the midst of uncertainty and fears, in the midst of pandemics and sickness, in the midst of suffering, the Lord sets a table before us. 
the Psalm 23, knowing it, growing in it, meditating on it, gives us an awareness and a consciousness of the character of the Lord. It brings us into a living encounter with the Lord. Um, and that's really important because the heart of David was formed by this character the Lord has revealed in Psalm 23. And the heart of David was the heart of a giant killer, one who met Goliath and defeated him because David knew who his shepherd was. So we too need to know our shepherd in these days so we too can be giant killers. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 23 and the gift that it reveals to us of who you are. Help us, Lord, to grow through the word of God. Help us to grow in understanding this word so that we too can have imprinted upon our hearts and minds an awareness of who you are as our shepherd so that we can cultivate a heart of a giant killer, one that kills fear and one that kills hatred, one that perfects our hearts in charity, one that enabled to meet the challenges we face in our day with confidence and assurance of your love, your goodness, and your mercy. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.